the bloody disgusting podcast network. Howdy, folks. You like blood, violence, freaks of nature? Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shan, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. Let's go! This is an important news bulletin. Otis B. Dripwood has escaped from Rugsville County prison he was last seen on the boo crew podcast episode 66 if you're listening to this at time of release the third installment in the house of a thousand corpses series rob zombies three from hell opens this next week in select theaters for a special three-day fathom event screening then available on blu-ray october 15th we wanted to get this episode out to you as a surprise release as we were able to get some time in with otis himself horror legend bill mosley right before opening week he gets down and dirty about the return of the Firefly Clan, horror films, improvising on set, and some incredible behind-the-scenes secrets. So what you waiting for? Run, Rabbit, run! Hello, America. Did you miss me? Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. The search for the fugitives known as the Devil's Rejects resulted in a violent clash with police. Chances for survival are less than a million to one. There's no justice in this world. I am justice. They're trying to blame us, but we didn't do it. Free the three. Free the three. Free the three. Free the three. <laughs> Now we can have a real day of the dead. <laughs> this is my death factory. You are the product. It's the Boo Crew. It's been 14 years since we last saw the characters of Baby Otis Driftwood, Captain Spaulding, and the extended family of maniacs known as the Firefly Clan. Writer-director Rob Zombie has resurrected the story in the new film Three from Hell. If you're listening to this at time of release, opening in close to 900 select movie theaters, September 16th, 17th, and 18th through Fathom Events. Bill, welcome to the Boo Crew for the second time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> Good to be back. It's great to have you. So, when we talked to you, we talked to you back in July of last year, and we basically had you tied to a leather chair, and we're trying to prod you for details <laughs> on this movie. And finally, it is our podcast factory, and you are the product. I know. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Time to talk, motherfucker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like pain to motivate. The end of Devil's Rejects, obviously, blew our minds. It was a fantastic ending to an epic film and journey. As far as you were aware, how did the plan develop of making House of a Thousand Corpses into a trilogy? By the way, it's nice to be back. Thank you, Boo Crew. I have spent the last 14 years on the road at horror conventions with Sid Haig, sitting, usually sitting side by side at our tables. Whenever someone comes up and says, is there going to be a sequel to Devil's Rejects? For the past 14 years, I've gone, hey, Sid, is there going to be a sequel to Devil's Rejects? <laughs> and he goes, nope. And I go, how come? And then we count to three and in unison we say because we're fucking dead <laughs> and so I was thinking about that I was always thinking if there were going to be 
a third one. How would that work story-wise? And of course, the lamest is the uh, lamest of Hollywood devices. No apologies to Dallas. Is uh, what a dream I had. Sure. Making Devil's Rejects nothing but a dream and somebody wakes up and goes, wow, that's out. The second possibility was that we were killed and we went to hell and we were so bad that the devil rejected us. Hence the Devil's Rejects. Oh, <laughs> that works. Now, that was kind of cool, except then we would be supernatural. So that's not so cool. The third and actually best explanation is that the Ruggsville Sheriff's Department can't shoot straight. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we did, we, we took a couple of rounds and we, we see that with, uh, you know, blood coming out just of us. Just a few, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just a few <laughs> rifle rounds. But, uh, you know, through some kind of million to one chance, we all managed to survive the bad shooting of the Ruggsville Sheriff's Department. So <laughs> that's basically what is happening. Would you say that it was the fans that really prodded this project to come back in your eyes after being asked about it time and time again? You know, I'm sure that that was certainly a factor. Devil's Rejects is much beloved and uh, and has remained so. There was always that as uh, kind of the ground floor to, you know, the reason for doing a third one. I think once you kind of figured out how to move on from the ending of Devil's Rejects, I think then basically the sky's the limit. After Devil's Rejects, what really ended up happening to the characters of Captain Spaulding and Baby and Otis and the whole clan, they really became pop culture icons in the real world. More action figures, there's posters and all over Hot Topic. Can you talk a bit about why do you think that happened? I think that they were relatable characters. I think they were characters and Rob had such a great story that... Uh, in Devil's Reject somewhere. A lot of people pretty much said it at the uh, no ice cream in your fucking future (laughs) scene where it's like, oh my God, my family's just like that. And so there is this transition of sympathy from law and order to the rejects. And then of course, you know, with uh, wonderful William Forsyth playing Sheriff Waddell, he's such a badass that no one wants to see him win. So, I mean, there is that change of sympathy to us. And that just carries on with the glorious kind of Thelma and Louise ending. I think that just really sealed us as these grindhouse heroes. And I think people wanted to see more. I I guess that really is what it comes down to. What do you do to prepare to be Otis? Is there something that you do to get into character prior to filming? The first thing I did was I had to grow that damn beard again. (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy. That's impressive. That's all real, too. And protect it. You know, protect it from, from prying questions of like, you know, why are you growing your beard? It was very funny because actually about almost a year into growing the beard and the beard for Otis really took about 18 months. Um, wow. Which is a long time. I did a movie in New Orleans where I'm playing a cop and because I couldn't shave the beard, I became a detective. So I got, you know, I got promoted. <laughs> called Gothic Harvest. Uh, it's coming out one of these days. And then also I ended up getting a great gig, a short film with a woman named Kendall Courtney Klein. And she did a uh, short film, you know, short meaning like almost a half an hour called Gingerbread. And I play... Abraham Lincoln. Perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Yes. And uh, Mary Todd Lincoln is played by Amanda Plummer. And it's an awesome short film that we did. But um, the worry was that Lincoln did not really have a mustache. He had kind of a chin strap beard. So uh, with much apprehension, I ended up shaving my mustache to oh. play Lincoln. 
And, uh, and that was, you know, very, you know, sensitive touch and go, but it worked out. It looked great because my mustache, I guess, grows faster than my beard. But that was the biggest thing was growing that beard. And once the, once I grew the beard, when I got to the set, of course, then they shaved my head again. I hate to, that's a big spoiler for a lot of people that like long hair, but I did not grow that Otis hair. In Devil's Rejects, that was a wig. By the way, I was told when I was given the wig or when they put it on me that it was worth more than I was. <laughs> Don't fuck it up, basically. Don't darn good looking wig. on it. Yeah. Oh, so where's the wig now? Well, I guess for the last 14 years, Robbins must have had it in a humidor, maybe a wall safe. I'm not sure, but he pulled it out and, and I used the same wig and three uh, no from hell. It's the, same, it's the same Otis that's wig. So awesome. That's awesome. You know, a, the, the, the best cover story, though, for your beard was you taking that trip to Iran. And I'm right? like, see, that's why. That's the cover story right there. There's that's no three right. from hell. That's you right. Just went yeah. to Iran. You want to blend in, you know? That's right. And I did. I, I have a couple of pictures of side by side of people in Iran. And I look just, I look very Persian with that beard. And that uh, was for your honeymoon. Yeah, that was for the honeymoon, and we're still married, so it must have worked. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what made you guys decide that you wanted to go there? Like, that was the honeymoon place. Well, you know, we actually did not have a honeymoon, and I went to uh, Yale University. I'm on the list, some mailing list for Yale Educational Travel, which is uh, usually basically they send us brochures saying, drink a bunch of wine on a on a float down the Danube and look at German castles and you know usually you know stuff like that that doesn't really appeal to me and then one day in the mailbox was this mysterious Iran and I was like whoa what's that and I checked it out you know it was that rare little window during that temporary thaw in relationship in relations with uh, with Iran a couple of years ago and I just looked at my wife and I said uh, let's go for it and she said I'd love to so uh, we did we jumped through all the hurdles and got the visas and went through everything we're still actually there's still repercussions or let's say there's a bit of an after trail because whenever we come back into the country you know we go through obviously customs and they're looking through our passports and uh you know, they look at me and they go, what were you doing in Iran? You know, like, you know, are you a member of some terrorist organization? And I go, ah, uh, honeymoon. Good answer. Good answer. Because if you would have said, I'm here making a movie, right. it would have been like, hey, buddy, we saw Argo. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> like, saw Argo. right. <laughs> right. <laughs> honeymoon. And I say it, you know, with a big smile. Yeah, and exactly. just like, oh, my God, you're insane. <laughs> so were you, were you prepared to go back into the role of Otis after this long of a time? How did that feel to go back into that character? You know, I give a lot of credit to the conventions because a lot of times people want to hear lines like, I am the devil. I'm here to do the devil's work. And, you know, ain't no ice cream in your fucking future and, you know, all <laughs> kinds of stuff. The fans really keep the character fresh. I was mostly prepared, but at the same time, the idea of doing it after such a long period of time between rejects and three from hell and uh, just general Hollywood actor concerns and just all this stuff that really kind of gets in the way of a good performance. That was slowing me a little bit. And I remember like it was the first or second day we were shooting and I was fumbling some lines. It was like a mini monologue. I'm in the back of a police van saying something to reporters and I, I kept stumbling over the lines. And uh, so I did, you know, two takes that were, you know, cut, Bill, you know, <laughs> and I said, give me a second. And so I, I just sat down in the back of a police van by myself with my handcuffs just sat there and I heard this voice in my head that said Bill get out of the way I got this 
And it was really, it was the voice of Otis. It was like, yes. you know, a Mr. Actor with, you know, which, which is my better side and what's that line and just get out of the way. Just, you know, let me do this. And uh, as soon as I did that, I acknowledged the voice. I said, okay, I got out of the way and everything was smooth sailing. Where the movie begins really coincides with what happened to the characters in real life becoming kind of these pop culture icons. The movie kind of picks up as they've really developed into these pop culture icons after the events in that car. So whereabouts is Otis as far as his character and how he's changed through this time in incarceration? Well, I've done a lot of sit-ups uh, <laughs> in jail. <laughs> Had a lot of friends. <laughs> Otis really is so much in the moment. I don't really think that Otis really thinks in bigger terms like, what am I going to do when I get out? Or there's only another 10 years to go because, you know, basically we all have life sentences. So we're kind of there. That's basically our reality. That's the beauty of the fireflies and, you know, and the driftwoods. I mean, that is that there really is no big plan. There is no ambition. I don't want to be the head of anything. I don't want to be in the Louvre with my, with fish boy, you know, <laughs> I basically, you know, in the moment and a sociopath at that. So there really is no connection with conscience or anything, any kind of sentiments like that. And that's, what's so exciting about Otis. And Otis is also very honorable in a sense. He's got a real code of conduct, but um, you know, no big plans. The fact that, you know, I get sprung as I do. And then of course the next thought is, uh, you know, get, let's get baby out. And then Richard Brake joins the yes. clan this time around as the Midnight Wolfman. Yes. What an actor that guy is. So and good. to watch you guys go toe-to-toe yeah. is a treat. He was, you know, I had never met Richard Brake until the day we, I think the day, the first day we shot together. Really? Um, so, you know, I knew him certainly from 31. I'd seen him as Doomhead and holy shit. I think I saw him actually afterwards in uh, Mandy. He's just amazing. So I didn't really know him and thinking that he was going to play a big part or be a new member of the family was a little daunting in terms of how is this guy going to fit? Am I going to like him? Are we going to work well together? You know, a lot of those questions. You know, as soon as I met him, I, I liked him immediately, meeting him as a person. And uh, we chatted a bit. We had a lot in common. And then uh, just yeah, really had a ball the whole time. He was so funny. His his improvs with, um, you know, Mr. Salami or that Salami. Was Oh, that was, oh I think, our favorite scene. Oh yeah, your new God. business model. Yeah, right. Was that improv? Oh, that was all improv. Holy no shit. way. And it was that so was funny crazy. because that's, I mean, that's basically, you know, the, the, the Firefly's big plan is like, hey, wouldn't it be great? <laughs> You know, just, you know, taking a hit of dope or whatever and just going, yeah, wouldn't it be cool if we uh, and then just going off and like thinking, yeah, that's a good idea because there is no ambition. You know, it's like, sure, why not? We're so crazy. We, we just go ahead and do it. Yeah. You know, seeing as both your character and Richard's both have kind of a similar personality and humor sort of character. Did you guys have a personal rivalry in terms of, hey, man, I want the fucking line? No, never. Oh, God, no. For me, no, not at all. What I realized was that I've read that that's something that, uh, you know, unlike uh, my relationship with Captain Spaulding, which is a little more vituperative from time to time, my relationship with Richard seems to be kind of two peas in a pod. You know, he is part of the family. He's kind of the young buck who's trying to make his name, thinks he's already really famous for, you know, a couple of lame crimes. Right. <laughs> oh, and he's not. I have a certain fondness for him, but he fucks up. So he's no hero. So he's kind of learning the ropes. I think his other improv was great was the bounty hunters in the woods. 
Bill Oberst Jr. and and uh, my wife, my wife plays the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plays the, uh, the the partner, the female partner <laughs> right. in the, of the Bounty Hunters, and she was really funny. She because Richard started to go off on like you know, look at your wife's titties and yeah, right, right. this whole thing. <laughs> that, that was all another, made up too. That was all made up. <laughs> oh, man, what a great distraction though. That was so and good. Was like, and, 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 and it was so funny because my wife Lucinda did not have a line there, and then she was listening to him and so much in the moment that she was going, you know, kill him, kill him. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that was just her, you know, just responding to Richard's weird psycho sexual improv. So that was funny. And I'm standing right off camera trying not to laugh and ruin the take because it was so funny. Really, my hat's off to her because she knew that she was going to get a load of fake blood and yep. bananas like all over her face. Oh, wow. That's what it was. And uh, yeah, it was bananas, smashed bananas. Yep. She just hung right in there. Boy, she uh, and she knew that was coming too and that's very tough they don't teach you that in acting school how to just keep a straight face as you're about to get blasted with <laughs> blood and Girl. bananas yeah. into your face into your eye usually when that happens having kids like it's yeah. just out of nowhere whether yeah. it's like yeah maybe that's has something to do with it yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll give we'll give credit to our daughter Marion <laughs> yes, right? for prepping you yeah. for yeah. thank you Marion yeah for if those pukings in the middle of the night when you're really not, not you ready for it take any like cute couples pictures yep. of like her all messed up. <laughs> oh, I you? did. Yeah. Oh, yes. I've got a couple. Yeah, on my phone. I'll show you later. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, she really got her hands dirty yeah. and uh, literally. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. And she's been in a ton of stuff herself too. Like oh, yeah. Mothman prophecies. Yeah. Thinner. Yeah. Thinner. Rain Man. Rain Man. Yeah. yeah. Roman right. Louise. God, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. She's the waitress and the and the bar. Oh yeah. She's been. She's worked on an awful lot. It's funny whenever. Uh, and I actually I give a big shout out to Rob because a couple of years ago after he announced that, you know, hey, we're going to do this again. Then I remember just saying to him casually, but, you know, with obviously with a point, but I casually said, well, you know, hey, if you can find a part for Lucinda, that'd be great. You know, ha ha, meaning if you don't, you know, right. I won't be crushed. But, yeah. You know, I, wouldn't that be great? And a year later, he called up and said, OK, I've got the script done or whatever the timeline was. He said, I've I've done it. And by the way, there's a great part in it for your wife. And I was like, oh, man, I was so excited about that. She was less excited, but um, <laughs> you know, she did a great job and she and soldiered her way through. <laughs> What's Rob like as a director in those scenes where you're able to do that improv and feel free to do that? Is he just encouraging? Like, he on, enjoys it. He, he is, most of the time, he's just, you know, he's obviously the man. But every once in a while, when something like that happens, something real, in the moment, funny, part of the scene, makes the scene better, he's just a total happy spectator. It reminds me, actually, it reminded me of uh, the time I was working on uh, Texas Chainsaw 2. And, um, and, and we were doing a scene, and I don't know if I mentioned this on our last podcast, but uh, we were doing a scene in the radio station. And I'm smashing LG's head with a claw hammer. Yeah. Did I mention that one? You might have, but uh, they keep, they keep going. But anyway, so uh, we did about uh, a dozen takes of that. It was a very close, small, hot set back in the days of film and, you know, hot lights. And uh, each time I bang LG on the head with a claw hammer, we cut, we have to reset, we have to clean the blood off him. Tom Savini's right off, right off camera, pumping blood through a little tube that comes out the top of LG's uh, hairline, and we have to wash him off. And, <laughs> and a lot of the times it was because the, the claw hammer, which was a prop, was basically made of foam rubber, and it had a, a coat hanger wire in the middle of it just to hold it together. Oh, wow. So every once in a while, I'd get going and, and we'd say cut. Toby would say cut.
cut and I'd look and the hammer would be like bowed over. You know, it's <laughs> like, and so finally, well, we'd done about 12 takes of this and uh, very hot and, you know, gee whiz. And finally, Toby said, okay, yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, uh, yeah, let's do, let's do one, one, one more. You know, I was a little exasperated. I said, Toby, am I doing something wrong? And he goes, well, hell no, Bill. I'm just having fun watching you. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. oh, man. When you hear that from a director, you know, you're like, you're in heaven. Oh, I was good. like, all right, well, let's go. <laughs> and, you know, Rob is like that, too. I remember uh, Sid talking about, uh, the, you know, the, in uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, when Sid is doing his thing with sniffing the, you know, the smoke out of a gun barrel at the very beginning in the, in the murder museum. Sid is uh, goofing around with Michael J. Pollard. And, you know, he was just doing a couple of things that were kind of off book. And Rob was laughing his butt off. So <laughs> Rob really appreciates those moments. Although, you know, most of the time the, the scripts are so good. Yeah, I was going to ask. There really isn't really much call for improv. What is it that you love so much about Rob's writing? I love his language. I was an English major, so the language is really cool. I, I just like the way um, the scenes come together. And I think that it's pretty cool that Rob was just basically self-taught. He, you know, I don't think he ever went to screenwriting school necessarily, although he could argue that point. But he, like, just writes what he wants to see and hear. And he's got that sensibility. He's such a, such a horror fan that he's got that sensibility and uh, just, you know, somehow through osmosis, these amazing lines and scenes come to him. And, uh, you know, it just makes it fun to, to play. So yeah. what was it like uh, working with Emilio Rivera? He pops up. Uh, yes, a, third a lot of fun. Here. A nice, really nice guy. I didn't really get, you know, down and dirty with him, but... Um, Really cool guy. I loved working with him. I, I really liked working with just about everybody. I like working with Richard Edson. Certainly, it's always fun with Danny Trejo. Yeah, that was a fun scene. Uh, that was a fun scene. Sean Whalen was fun, although I didn't get to work with him. Just seeing his stuff with Sherry was great. That's the other thing about what Rob is really good at is getting the right people for right. the for the jobs. Um, you know, I go back to uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, and again, with Chris Hardwick. And, yeah. You know, Rain Wilson, right, you know, right. like, wow. I mean, and also Devil's Rejects, he shows up with uh, Priscilla Barnes. Yes. And I'm like, damn, I have not seen her since Nurse Terry on Three's Company. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And she has a great scene with you. Oh, yeah. Pretty hard yeah. to watch, you know. Yeah, we're still, we're, we still talk about that's it. That's awesome. I saw her recently at Sid Haig's uh, Vincent Price Award Night oh, a cool. couple of weeks ago, where he got the Vincent Price Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, that's oh, cool. That's awesome. and, uh, yes, and Priscilla was there, and, and you know, always good to see her. The film has a really nasty look to it as well. I was wondering if you could talk about working with the uh, cinematographer, David Daniel. I've worked with him since Devil's Rejects. Yeah. I mean, he was, uh, he was kind of the assistant DP. He is uh, great. I really like him. He's, he's uh, very calm and casual. He knows his stuff. He and Rob have their, a very intimate relationship in terms of uh, the aesthetics and what they want out of each shot. And it's a lot of fun. And he and he likes me. So that's always good. <laughs> it's always good to have your DP like you because also, uh, let's not forget Glenn Garland, uh, you know, our editor who also edited Devil's Rejects, among other things. Right. You just want those guys to like you, you know, those people. Uh, you, the, your editor and your cinematographer, because right. they're going to pick the best shots of you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, it's true. 
And yeah. you're going to make sure that you're lit well. Right. And, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. yeah it looks fantastic. Like, it's saturated yeah. look. The yeah. swipes to yeah. go from scene yeah. to scene. It's really stylistically, like, yeah. on top of it's its like game. It's like a running back who gives his linemen, you know, Rolex watches. <laughs> you exactly. guys. Yeah. Exactly. Keep right. opening those holes. <laughs> Was any of the filming actually shot in Mexico? Or is that all built, that whole Mexican that's village? Out, that's outside of, uh, you know, that's outside of L.A. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Was it constructed just ranch. for the... Oh, it was no, actually a shot in a movie ranch. Oh, that's cool. Yes. Very cool. Yeah, outside of Valencia, so... Oh, oh nice. yeah. Valencia, smokehouse, barbecue, shout out, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> Although, really, I have to check it out because I've, I've gone to Outback. I think I have been to smokehouse, actually. Yeah? Um, is there something called smokehouse? Yeah, Lucille's smokehouse out in Valencia. Yeah. Okay. There is a smokehouse in Burbank. Right. That, across from Warner Brothers has been there forever. That, that's really good. But Lucille's has amazing biscuits and Ooh. apple yes. butter. Ooh. Yes, and apple butter. Oh, wait a minute. I think I do know Lucille's. Yeah, yeah. it's a chain. It's, it's around. Yeah, yeah uh, it's maybe around. I do. I Actually, because I, I've, I've been out there. But if you had yeah. Chop Tops barbecue. <laughs> yeah, Chop Tops <laughs> that, barbecue. That's where it's at. That's where it's at. Hey, what about some, these, some of these stunts uh, in the third act? How much of those stunts did you perform yourself? I did a lot of it. That was actually one of the things that Rob offered, and I was happy to avail myself up, and that was working with the stunt coordinator and basically getting the ballet of the fight down pat because all of those things, they really have to be choreographed. First of all, it, uh, because that way, you know, nobody gets hurt, which is, right. you know, my big concern. And second of all, it also saves time. You end up saving time because time is money on a, on a you know, a, sh- a set. But yeah, we, we worked that out. I probably practiced four or five days, meaning like days off when I drove up to uh, Chatsworth to the studio up there and worked out with uh, with our stunt coordinator. I think it shows. I think it, I think it was, it worked out pretty good. And also it's so funny because, you know, I wanted to do most of it, but, um, you know, then I found out and I never really thought about it, but it makes sense that a lot of actors really want to pick their stunt guy because they want them to look like really good and kind of represent all the work they didn't do in the gym. <laughs> you know, so you, you see that, you see the fight, you see like, wow, man, that guy's got a six pack. Yeah. Wow. Holy shit. He can jump all the way to the top of a building. That's amazing. You know, and you kind of own that as an actor. Like, yeah, that was me. Yeah. Well, there's some Otis ass in this one, too. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah, that's real, right. Real, real ass. Yeah, there's some real ass. There. There's some real ass. Not, not bad for, uh, you know, a, a senior citizen. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, was that, was that real pee? Or, or is Rob behind there squirting a bottle? No, we had, we actually, we had, we had some trouble with that because really? uh, there was a little bit of, it was a, it was a gag. Well, you know, the prostate enlargement, you know, at your age. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we had a squeeze ball that, that was, it had a mind of its own, but we, we got her done. <laughs> oh my God. I wanted to ask musically. Yeah. You got Corn Bugs, right? The Buckethead Project. There's Spider Mountain with Ronnie Sharona, Stolen Babies. There's Bill and Phil with Phil and Selma right. for Pantera. And now I hear there's a new one, Mr. Machine. Mr. Machine. What's oh. the story with Mr. Machine? Uh, Mr. Machine is a couple of guys from a band called War Beast. Oh. And a good old, a venerable punk band. Uh, but they recently lost their singer, Bruce Corbett, to uh, cancer almost a year ago. They 
contacted me. They're also on House Core Records as, you know, it's Phil Anselmo's label. And uh, they contacted me and wanted to see if I wanted to do some work with them. So far, we have one song in the can called Meth Mouth. And uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. we're working on some other. We've got Struggles the Clown. And we've got, <laughs> yes. we've got a couple. <laughs> we've got a couple. Of songs. That's awesome. Uh, you know, Black Light. Uh, you know, so we're, we're, we're working on it. Lately, though, I've, I haven't really been uh, able to devote myself to the music only because of the excitement around Three from Hell. Finally, I'm, I'm so excited. I was so excited last Monday. I was so excited to be able to say a week from today. Yeah. You know, now it's like even, you know, a couple of days to go. And that's not as exciting, but a week from today, you know, because I've been counting this thing down for uh, really, I think we got together to have our lunch. Rob and Sherry invited Sid Hagen and me and we met at a vegan restaurant on La Cienega, uh, Real Food, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, very good, by the way. A yeah. little shameless plug. But that's when Rob said that we were going to do this. And that was like, a, it seemed like a couple of years ago. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we talked to a year yeah. ago yeah. and it was rap filming. So probably, right. yeah, probably at least a year before yeah. that. So it's taken, it's taken a long time. And understandably, you know, Rob does have a day job <laughs> <Yeah>. called touring <laughs> yeah. right. with Marilyn Manson. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, you know, and of course, I'm sure when, when Rob, is concentrating on movies his, his his music people are going come on man just I'm sure when he's concentrating on the music the movie people are going come on yeah, man exactly <laughs> but anyway it's come in good time but it, it has taken a long time and it's uh, I certainly hope it's worth the wait to uh, the fans of uh, Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses so it's going to be three days Fathom events that Monday Tuesday Wednesday is there anything special that are at those events is a certain way to take in the movie are they doing anything no 3D glasses nope nope so so, and, and you know, that would be with, with the one with the one blue frame and the yeah. one, red you know, one orange one. Yeah. Yeah, there's boobs in the movie. Also, I kind of hope like thirteen ghosts. Four D one where it that smells. Would, that would wow, be good. That would be good. Yeah. Well, that was that's an old one, man. I mean, yes. that was with the card. Remember that it had a card and you could scratch yeah. the scratch and sniff. Yeah. That well, was. the closest will be the the maze that they're doing at uh, right. Universal, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm oh, gonna see that print. tonight. Actually, I'm oh, gonna go with Corpsey. My my date is Corpsey from Girls and. Corpses magazine. Oh, that's great. Oh, nice. I heard they were playing like a 30-minute behind-the-scenes documentary, too. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Yeah. I, I do know that, that there are three different nights, so it's it's a Fathom Events event as opposed to a release. I'm, I'm learning all this now. Again, a, a guy that can't really figure out Facebook, so uh, <laughs> this is all new to me. Monday night is, I think, the most theaters, and first 50 people at each theater get a Three From Hell poster. Cool. Mm -hmm. Second night, you get uh, all people who go to the second night get to see, I don't know, a making of a behind-the-scenes Rob Zombie video. And then the third night, uh, Wednesday of next week, is going to be Three From Hell will play on the end of a double bill with uh, Devil's Rejects. Awesome. Oh, that's so you awesome. get two, cool. two, two for the price of one. <laughs> and this is the uncut version of Three from Hell that people are going to be seeing as well. Mm. Unrated, yeah. yeah. Unrated, unrated, yeah. yeah. Oh, is that right? Yeah, that is. Oh, yeah. wow. See, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. are they going to actually ever put out a rated version? That, I don't know. I no more no information idea. than that, yeah. The unrated version. Well, that's she. I wish I'd known that. I could have, I could have, you know, teased it even more. <laughs> unrated version. It's That's the, right. We get the, we get the you Otis. thought you'd seen everything. <laughs> the Otis cut. We the Otis full frontal. Yeah, it's full <laughs> frontal Otis. Salami. Yeah, Mr. Salami. Salami. Stunt guy. <laughs> get the guy with the dick in here. <laughs> 
right. By the way, do you have a favorite line from the movie? I, I'll tell you after I see it on Monday. I got a favorite line. Yeah, I mean, you have one? Good. Yeah. What is it? But you're going to have to say it in the Otis voice. All right. <laughs> Squeak me a story, rat. Squeak me a story, rat. That's right. There were a couple of good ones. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, Otis Squeak is me a story, rat. Nice. Uh, oh, this yeah. is in fine form. Hey, in America, did you miss me? Yeah, I worked hard on that. That was a wonderful monologue. We did it up at uh, Sybil Brand, which is still standing, but uh, now uh, abandoned. Sybil Brand Women's Prison here in Los Angeles. Oh. And uh, we shot in Sybil Brand. I think Sybil Brand got evacuated maybe like a lot of old buildings because of asbestos or who knows what, or maybe they just had a new improved women's prison, maybe like CRDF, Central Regional Detention Facility in beautiful Linwood, which is a women's prison. So uh, I've been there many times. Why? It's not a lie. It's true. On, on Mona. Wow. That's where you enter, on Mona. But anyway, so that was a lot of fun. I was sweating that. That was the one, you know, there are some monologues, bodies of copy, where as an actor, it's an aging actor, and with a uh, with a de- decaying brain, you really have to work hard to pound those lines. And so I, I walked many a mile pounding the lines for the monologue in prison, the Otis prison monologue. That's the, I'm Satan's destroyer. Yes. Yeah. And then you end it, I think, with the crazy eyes. It becomes crazy the iconic yep. picture throughout the movie. That I, I really worked hard because, you know what, not only did I want to, you know, remember the lines, but also there they're so good sometimes you really want to defend the lines sure and when when it's a good monologue like that or some you know some good dialogue what you really want to do is pound those lines work your ass off and really get good so that when it's time to deliver those on camera you do the writer justice as well as the scene and the character again that goes back to rob's writing style that he i guess must hear it in his head see it in his mind or whatever it is by the way that is also a good that's an advantage to working with a director who is also a writer because uh, he knows what he wants. He sees it in his head. He's not translating someone else's work, which has been done a lot and and beautifully. But uh, with Rob, he knows what he wants. That ends up making it a lot easier in terms of communicating and kind of getting on, you know, getting aboard his vision. I know you've been so busy, but have you seen any new horror movies that you've liked? or Thank you for asking me that because I have. Ooh, tell me. I've seen, uh, there's a, a whole new passel of, of horror movies. I saw certainly Hereditary, which I loved. Yes. And yes. then I really, I just was blown away by Midsummer. So I just nice. thought that was insanely cool. Yeah. It was so good. So good. I've also, I love Get Out. I've saw that twice. Uh, I loved A Quiet Place, which I guess is a horror movie, horror science fiction. I just actually saw Ready or Not. Isn't that great? Which I really so love. So I knew good. you guys would like it because yes. they're all the, the hidden panels. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah. I loved it. Suckers for that. Yeah, I put a good house in a movie. I'm all about it. Yeah, yeah. so those those I liked. I even liked the new Hellboy. I, haven't, I didn't see it. Uh, you know, a lot of people just dumped all over it. I mean, I go oh, to the Neil gym. Neil Marshall, right? Who directed yeah, yeah and I go to the gym with Ronnie Perlman. I see oh, him no all way. the time. So, wow. you know, I didn't 
mention that to him. Sure. But, uh, <laughs> didn't want to get crushed yeah, you know, exactly. with a barbell. But uh, I thought I thought the new Hellboy was good. I saw scary stories in the dark. I mean, I do. I, I check stuff out. Yeah. And uh, and I really loved, which isn't a horror movie. Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood. It was great. Yeah, yeah. That, that a couple was really of times good. too. That was awesome. Yeah. Was Is that an accurate depiction of the entertainment world on your end of the camera? I thought so. Yeah. I thought oh, I wow. thought the stuff with Leonardo DiCaprio as the cowboy on his, you know, the whole day on his episode, I thought was really fantastic. I loved it. I loved his talk with it with the, like the little child star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I loved everything. <laughs> everything about that was fantastic. I I totally I totally loved it. How many times have you seen it? More than once? Uh, twice, yes. Wow. I took my I took my wife and daughter to see it. And yeah. I, I said, you got to see this. Nice. And so I dragged them to the theater. They were very happy. They, they loved it too. So, oh, and of course, I don't live too far from the new Beverly. So, oh, perfect. Coyote. So that's all kind of local to me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for car porn. So the fact that every scene had cars and trucks and pickups uh, from the 60s, I thought was just awesome. Well, you get yeah. to drive a cool van in, uh, in this one, right? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. And downhill on a winding road right, into a right, Mexican yeah. village <laughs> with, with no insurance. <laughs> that oh was scary. And by the way, I spent some time a couple weeks ago, I was at a convention in Louisville, Kentucky, and I spent time next to uh, Clint Howard. Oh, and yeah. He is such a great guy. What a funny guy. And great. Smart, in crazy, yeah. good, smart, wonderful guy. And I had a lot of fun working with him. He was awesome as Mr. Baggy Bridges. Yeah. Yes. And a great guy, too. Yeah. You know, a guy who, I think his first gig was when he was six years old. Wow. Whoa. And he played like a little character on uh, Star Trek. Huh. Oh, wow. He was like, there was, it was a Star Trek episode where the Enterprise is, is followed by a spaceship and a scary monster. And then they finally board the ship and they're all frightened and they see that it's this little six-year-old kid. And uh, that was Clint Howard. Unbelievable. Oh, wow. Clint was on Gentle Ben. There's a picture. I, I, got a, I got him to sign a picture, a black and white picture of Clint with his arm around, you know, a 700-pound bear. <laughs> thinking, why, why would you let a six-year-old... <laughs> <laughs> Even, you know, within 100 miles oh of a 700 pound bear. That's so scary. Wow. Unless you like tranquilized right. it or something. I don't know. I wouldn't let my kid. No. <laughs> the mom in me is just horrified oh, right it's, now. It's scary. Oh, no, I, I mean, I, I was up there with, was it Ben? I think it was. I forgot. Oh, Bart. Bart the Bear on uh, White Fang. Yeah. When I did White Fang, Bart the Bear was there. And uh, Bart from The Bear. When Bart was on set... There was a lockdown. You didn't look at Bart. Anybody non-essential was, you know, 100 miles away. Everything was scary about Bart except his favorite treat, which was uh, Hostess Snowball. No way! <laughs> <laughs> I thought, wow, okay. Well, that's, yeah, I have a little place in my heart for Bart with his little pink Hostess Snowball. Oh I wonder God. how many treats they had to go through before they settled oh, on yeah, Hostess Snowballs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill, thank you that, so much yeah. for joining us. It's always thank a pleasure. So All right, I hope I said something that you know that didn't hurt my career no <laughs> no 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 it's awesome and that advances the cause of three from hell hell yeah right. everybody go see it yes. so great yeah. it is the feel bad movie of the summer i guess yeah. <laughs> i like that wow yes. better send that to rob yeah, that's, that's 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 poster slogan oh you know and i'm gonna i'm gonna oh, yeah. be at, are you guys coming to uh son of monster palooza yes, yes. Yeah, I'll be there too yeah oh uh, are you going the yeah. whole weekend or which? Uh, the whole weekend yeah i'm gonna be sitting next to linda blair Ooh. Oh, cool. Yeah. And you can't do anything behind her back, you know, because her head spins. <laughs>
<laughs> uh, she is great. And yeah, that's a good yeah. plug for speaking of humane causes. Yeah, yeah that's right. World, yeah. Is it called World Heart Rescuing uh, the Pit Bulls? Okay, everybody. See you at Monster Palooza and see you at Three from Hell. Yep, hell yeah. <laughs> I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. That was a Boo Crew Podcast, episode 66. Special thanks to our guest, Bill Mosley. Follow Bill at Shop Top Mosley on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're listening to this at time of release, see him and Rob Zombie's Three from Hell release nationwide for a three-day Fathom Events experience, September 16th, 17th, and 18th with bonus content and more. FathomEvents.com slash Three from Hell for tickets. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying, see you on the other side. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo. Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shand, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tahada. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, Chopped and Sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Blood disgusting podcast network. Bye.